Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I am your host, Adam Pranica. I'm your other host, Benjamin R. Harrison. Hey, Ben. Yeah. We got some news oh, yeah? recently. I'm not sure if you read this. Um, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. One of the ways that our viewers can support the podcast is by buying our brand new t-shirt. I don't believe this. You're going to put that thing on and parade around like one of them? Yes, the West Hot American Summer t-shirt that's replacing hotcakes in the way people talk about how things are selling. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I've been loving all the selfies people have been posting. Yeah, that's been awesome. Did you see somebody photoshopped my head onto onto their selfie? (laughs) I did see that. That uh, That was really funny, and it was especially funny because I have literally not seen one of these shirts in person, like... They're getting sent out from a distribution place, I guess. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> by the way, uh, I don't know like what the status of this is going to be at this point, but we've not forgotten our contest winners. Like we are working on getting those sent out. Hopefully, our contest winners aren't women size medium because evidently we're sold out. Oh shit! Women really? size medium, Ben. Did you know that? That's great news. Ben, is there anything less likely that you thought you'd ever hear than a shirt that we're making for our Star Trek podcast is sold out, and that size that's been sold out is women's size medium? Uh, yeah, I, that is surprising. Yeah, hopefully by the time this episode gets out there, we'll be restocked on a couple of sizes. Yeah, but, and uh, thanks, ladies, for buying them in droves and celebrating that really cringeworthy, embarrassing thing I did all those years ago. (laughs) It's so perfect. (laughs) Speaking of perfect, there might not be a more perfect episode than Season 4, Episode 1, The Best of Both Worlds, Part 2. And now, the conclusion. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. Not entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. Did I step all over your transition, Ben? Did we want to do something different? No, that transition was so good. I'm sitting here in rapt awe. (laughs) So where we last left our friends on the Enterprise... Before we get too far into this, let's just comment on the fact that we're bringing you our follow-up episode merely days after the last episode about part one. You know, when, when you first watched this, you had to wait... An entire summer to find out what happens in this in this episode. What would have happened if we just went away for three months, didn't say anything, <laughs> stopped putting podcasts up? We Man. wait the exact length of time between part one and part two. That would be a piece of performance art that I think about 2% of our audience would appreciate. We would be hated. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so evil. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they've, they've got the uh, the deflector dish is rigged up as essentially a ship-sized cannon where they route all of the energy of the ship through this thing and let it rip, and Riker has given the order to fire. And for three months, he's been standing there with his right eye twitching, <laughs> looking off screen, waiting for this yeah. moment. And you can hear the whir 
Like there's a there's the sound of the buildup. Firing, sir. Yeah, it's like it's like after you click a one of those disposable cameras, you hear the the battery recharge. You know, yeah. After you use the flash, it goes. Um, It's been going like that for three months. So, yeah, and all anybody on the bridge of the ship knows right now is they're about to totally destroyify the ship that their erstwhile captain, now Locutus, is standing on. So there's a lot of uh, intense facial expressions as this order goes down. Like, you get a real good, like, jaw clench from Will Wheaton. You get, you know, Marina Sirtis looking pretty horrified at what her uh, Mzati has had to do. Dr. Beverly is kind of horrified because, you know, she never got to say goodbye. Never got to tell Picard that she loved him. Yeah. Sort of a Greek chorus of emotions Yeah. on the bridge right now. And the whirring gets louder and louder and louder. And we cut to the exterior. Yeah. We see the deflector dish energize. And there is a giant beam of light shooting at the Borg ship. But before we get much further, I think we should talk about how this plays into the entire arc that Riker had on the last episode. Because it's all about him turning down the command of the Melbourne and second-guessing himself, wondering if he's, you know, too complacent, if he's too cowardly to take off the training wheels. Like, I think, in fact, Captain Picard, when he's giving him the kick in the pants, it, like, says something like that. You're ready to work without a net, ready to take command do you think that influenced his decision to shoot i don't know if it influenced it but i definitely think that his decision to shoot is instructive of his readiness for command like he the this is the thing to do in this moment you know it's 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 an impossible choice but he has to make it and he does it without hesitating it's the right choice so i'm just i'm just saying like you know game recognized game in the bay man (laughs) and this this ends up being a real disaster because the energy beam discharges all over the Borg ship. <laughs> it is so fucking anticlimactic. <laughs> We've had three months of buildup to this moment. And the thing that happens off of Riker's single word is nothing. Cease fire. Shutting down warp engines. <laughs> It's so this is a classic TNG. This is like this is like that episode a couple episodes ago where the guy was like, you know, they were trying to figure out where the guy was from and they're like, "Oh, turns out he's from a planet that's on the route we're already traveling on." Very nice, you know? Like all of the tension is totally deflated from the moment. The only thing that breaks the silence is the computer gong going off saying, uh, if you keep this up any longer, the ship's going to get destroyed. Like, (laughs) it's basically a totally impotent showing of aggression here by the Enterprise, and it's for nothing. So Riker gives gives the order to shut it off, and Picard as Locutus who is still on the FaceTime, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a great a great bit of hubris. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, I forgot to mention in part one of this episode that when we got Picard, we got all of his memories and thoughts. Yeah. So you can count on us being prepared for any possible strategy that you have uh, because we're inside his head now. Which is 
fucking awesome. Like, you come back from summer vacation. You're 11 years old or whatever. Yeah. You're living for this. You are ready for the fucking board ship to blow up, Picard to be killed, and Riker to take over as captain. That is, like, the best guess of what's going to happen. And, like, maybe there's some way that they can, like, recover the body and, like, you know, reanimate him like Spock or whatever. But, yeah. like, that is completely destroyed, and then the stakes are re-raised. Like, this yeah. is, this is like, I, I will call your hundred and raise you a thousand. Going through the summer, there was a very real possibility that they weren't going to pick up Patrick Stewart's contract. Like, he was going to be off the show. The, the chatter around the show was that, hey, maybe they do kill Picard. Like, maybe this thing goes down as you might expect, which is the biggest weapon gets used the borg ship gets destroyed and then we're left dealing with the aftermath i love to think about the alternate reality where that's what went down and they kept making this show with riker as the captain and like he's haunted by this fucking horrible thing he had to do to get the command of this ship essentially like i mean not that he's doing it to get the command but like that was an instrumental moment in in him becoming the captain and like what a dark character that would be i think we've talked about this a few times uh in the first three seasons but the one character component you don't have in anyone who's on the show at this point is the one with the dark past right that that's like haunted by their shit the guy who's totally haunted who is a character that is pretty much on every modern television show right now yeah i think you could argue that Look, there are some really great episodes of this show to come from season four forward. You could make the argument that it's a better show if if Picard is killed in this moment and the rest of the series is about Riker in the aftermath. Then you bring Lacutus back in first contact as the Borg Queen. Oh, you know? that'd be that's cool. Look, that was just off the top of my head. You could go so many crazy places. Oh, like we want this writing job on the that nobody's actually offering us on the uh, on the new show so bad. What about this? They're making all these fucking Star Trek comic books. Why don't you call your friends Ben and Adam, have them write an alternate timeline where Riker blows up Locutus? Totally down. That would be fucking great. We would write an awesome comic book. The Pranica Harrison timeline is what we need to know about. Yeah. Done. I'm in. So if you work at Star Trek Comic Book Company, <laughs> yeah, which I'm sure is what it's called. What else could it be called? <laughs> we have enough very artistically talented viewers in our audience. I bet we could make that comic book. Mm. Yeah. Think about it, that. That would probably get us sued. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that's the whole Axonar problem, isn't it? Yeah, that's that Axonar shit. You can't make your own shit. Yeah. And I don't want to, like, make people think that we're trying to get in the pocket of Big Rod. Like, nothing Hell could be no. f- further from the truth. Yeah. And I know that, that there's a lot of people, especially in the Washington, D.C. area, that like to toss out allegations like that on Twitter about how we're, like, deep in Big Rod's pocket. Look, if Big Rod is wearing those, like, late 90s cargo jeans... Like, mm-hmm. we're, we're in the pocket so far away from the main pockets. Like, <laughs> it doesn't even qualify. We're in, like, the hammer loop. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's some late 90s shit right there. <laughs> that's right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> this is a big head fuck for the crew. 
the weapon that was what they were resting all their hopes on is ineffective. And furthermore, the scariest enemy they've ever faced now has the entirety of the tactical and technological knowledge of the finest captain in the fleet. And the Borg ship is warping off as fast as it can toward Sector 001, which is where Earth is. It fucking sucks because the Enterprise is just parked, like, yeah. watching it go. There's nothing they can do. Yeah, their their shit is real burned out, and they're, like, trying to retool and, and get back in the fight. But They're hours and hours away from that. And this timeline is important because they get on the FaceTime with Admiral Hansen, and they're like, look, we took our best shot. Uh, it didn't work. They're like, listen, Ad- Admiral Hansen, you probably know this as a white rapper. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. Riker looks down and Mom's spaghetti is on his shirt. <laughs> Riker's giving him the follow-up and Hansen's like, well, you're going to miss this awesome plan I have, which is basically Civil War strategy. He's going to assemble a fleet of starships at Wolf 359 to head the Borg ship off at the pass. He's basically going to line up all the starships that are remaining. Like a musket line? <laughs> like the Redcoats standing in front of the Revolutionary Army. Like, line them up for the Borg to knock down. And mm-hmm. it is fucking insane. If I'm Riker hearing Admiral Hansen tell me his plan, I would be like, <laughs> holy shit, I'm so glad I'm not there. This is a nightmare. Who gave Admiral Hansen permission to do this? I don't know. I mean, he's saying that, like, they're getting the Klingons involved. They might be getting the Romulans involved, which is, like, that's set up and never paid off. Like, you never see any evidence that the Klingons actually engaged in this battle. You never see any evidence that the Romulans did. Um, And, like, why would the Romulans? Like, the Romulans have never encountered the Borg, have no reason to believe the Federation if they, like, sent them a note, right? Yeah. It's a strange bit of business. Um, everything about Wolf 359 is is a peculiar bit of business. This fucking FaceTime with Hanson just drives me crazy. It's like enjoying Thanksgiving dinner with a, a senile relative. So Hanson <laughs> shares his plan. A senile for, relative who's obsessed with exposition. <laughs> yeah. Riker <laughs> explains to him, you know, Lacutus told us that... Uh, that they're going to use Picard's knowledge against us. And Admiral Hanton's like, whoa, 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 buddy. Hold it right there. Uh, let me tell you a story about a guy I know named Jean-Luc Picard. And he tells this insane story about watching Picard as an Academy cadet win the Academy Marathon. And he said it was the damnedest thing I ever saw. <laughs> and he uses this story as a metaphor for how there is no way in hell that Picard would help the Borg defeat the Federation. It's an insane it's- thing to say. It's like it's like he thinks that Riker is saying that Picard is collaborating with them. He's like, oh, Picard would never help them out willingly. And what Riker should say in that moment is like, no, I'm not saying he's helping him out willingly at all. They're fucking taking over his mind, dude. It's a different thing. Doesn't It doesn't go to his character. Like, and Hanson isn't even there. Yeah, like, you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Here, watch uh, earlier part of the episode. <laughs> 
Let me flip this laptop around so you can see this. <laughs> it is insane. And yeah. Hanson Hanson should be relieved of command. Like I I don't understand it. Like in the in the span of 10 minutes, Admiral Hanson turns completely bug nuts. And he's like, "Well, we're going to miss you at the party. Uh we'll let you know how it goes. Hanson out." And Riker has got to be relieved to not be there to be obeying that guy's orders. What a fucking asshole. And so he gives uh, Riker a field commission, too. He's like, hey, uh, Will. The Enterprise is your ship now. Congratulations. Why don't you go ahead and strap on a fourth pip on your neck? I'm getting the chills just talking about it. It's a great scene buried in a pile of garbage. <laughs> you, know what, you know what we don't get? We get a lot of great scenes in part two of Best of Both Worlds. I would have loved to see in the scene where Riker puts on that pip, though. Yeah, that would have been great. That's heavy shit. And I mean, he does it. it. He does it right away. Like yeah. the next scene he's in, he's got it on. And There's no pip takebacks. He's he's going right for that fourth pip. Right, and so like you have to think like if there's like a replicator in that room, like, like what's the what is the Starfleet regulation on that? If you get a field commission, like do you, do you do you pip up like as soon as as possible? Well, I'm glad they didn't give him an ill-fitting uniform like Wesley got during his field commission. <laughs> like he gets to wear the same uniform, and that's yeah. good because it's tailored. So we cut away from this, and we cut to a wordless scene on the Borg ship with Picard just on like a crazy gothed-out operating table, <laughs> and he's completely evil looking and he's you know he's in the he's got the the batman abs and he's got the laser affixed to the side of his head and at one point he like sticks his arm straight out and they like put they put one of those borg instrument arms over it they fit him for a log yeah i feel like they should have like severed his arm you know yeah the effects probably wouldn't have been great at this point in filmmaking history if we're growing ears on mice right now you'd think they'd be able to grow another arm in the 24th century yeah it would have raised the tension so much too like you really feel like there's no going back if they cut off his arm at that point right and this is a scene that like in in uh first in the star trek first contact the film picard has nightmares about this scene and it's way grislier like there's there's a shot of like a drill going into his eye you know yeah and and I, that's probably a little bit too hot for TV, but it would have been pretty... With how much knuck this show uh, displays, <laughs> I'm a little surprised that yeah. they can't show Skull Drill, but they'll show you all the knuck you can take. Yeah, maybe, maybe more knuck than is strictly legal from an FCC standpoint. They're showing you some different drills. Yeah. They definitely like imply that a probe is like going deep into his head, but it's it's kind of like a bad camera trick, you know? Yeah, they take all the color out of him. Yeah, because he's like half gray when they talk to him at the end of the last episode, and I guess the beginning of this, but they like fully gray him up in yeah. this scene, and he's like, it's it's the end of his transformation. It is a guiding principle with Darth Vader's base. Have you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth? You don't deserve to wear that uniform. So we cut back to the Enterprise, and we see Riker with the fourth pip, and he gets a FaceTime from Hanson. Things aren't going great at Wolf 359, wouldn't you know it, Ben? Fight does not go well, Enterprise. We're attempting to withdraw and regroup. Rendezvous with fleet. What? Yeah, 
he's 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 getting bangers dropped on him left and right. Yeah, and Hanson looks like uh, he looks like a show that you taped off of a station that you don't get particularly good reception off of, and then you copied that tape like seven hundred times. <laughs> His like, VHS scanning setting is all off. You gotta you gotta roll that scanning wheel a little bit. Yeah, basically, basically the this is the last bit of exposition we get from Admiral Hanson, which is my terrible plan blew it. You blew it. You blew it. God, could you imagine being Hanson in that moment? Like, this is all my fault. I've made a huge mistake. Well, to his credit, he goes down with the ship, you know? like Good, so we can't hurt anyone else anymore. Yeah, he's personally responsible for the deaths of thousands of Starfleet's officer corps, but he's he's at the command of one of the ships that is in the fight. So not a lot of admirals these days are getting their feet wet like that, you know? Yeah. A lot of job openings around the Federation after this one. <laughs> so once Admiral Hansen is gone, Riker realizes that he's... Like, the Enterprise is essentially the last hope for the entirety of human civilization, and by extension, like, all of the civilizations that have become party to the Federation. And so he pulls a little McLaughlin group and issue one is that Worf and Data are being passed over for the big field promotion to first officer and Commander Shelby, who he's been basically openly hostile to since she came aboard the ship, is going to be his number one. It's a surprise to me because Worf seems to always be the benefactor of a death-related promotion, right? <laughs> it's also a surprise to Data, like... When he says, like, Commander Shelby will be taking over as as uh, as first officer, there's like a there's like a two shot with Worf and Data and <laughs> Data just like looks at Worf and like raises his eyebrows like not what I would have done. Yeah. <laughs> he sort of award shows it a little bit like at the Academy Awards. They do like the six box of yeah, all the people it's... who are nominated. Like he. If it were that type of show, Data would like half get up out of his seat as <laughs> someone else's name was announced. Yeah, and then try to play it off like it was an, a standing ovation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally it. You know what, Commander Riker? I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> but Worf is one of the greatest officers of all time. The look on Shelby's face, though, is like... Two seconds of shit-eating grin followed by, okay, strap it up, Shelby. Like, mm-hmm. all right, back to normal. And then, like, the next scene you see her in, she, like, fills in that that third pip, right? She pipped up also. She's got the, like, black one with the gold outline. That shit is fully filled in with gold the next time we see her. You think she's happy that creepy old Mr. Hansen is uh, off her case now? <laughs> yeah. She's not getting patted on the ass quite as often. Yeah, because Hanson, he's a he's a dirty old man, and consent doesn't factor into his sexuality. There's a guy at Starfleet Human Resources that's taking like a four inch three ring binder and just like <laughs> sliding it off of his desk into the shredder. <laughs> Case closed. Yeah, she's like my new commanding officer wants consent so bad, I'm almost concerned for him. <laughs> It is exactly the opposite situation for her. <laughs> She's like, come on, like man up and like, you know, like we can we can do like a little bit of Madonna horseplay, but like. At least it, be like Hanson a little bit, it, like stand up in front of me so I can yeah. knock you down. Yeah, press the issue a little bit, bub. 
he gives the field promotion, and then he's like, well, I don't really know how to end these things because Picard usually does that, and kind of wish he was here because yeah. I'm a little bit lost right now. Like, there's a little bit of a catch in his voice. Mm-hmm. It's fucking crushing. Yeah, and so he winds up, like, having a dialogue between him and the awkwardly askew captain's chair in the ready room. He Clint Eastwood's the chair. Yeah, he totally Clint Eastwood's it. Do you think that's where Clint Eastwood got that idea? Yeah, definitely. He's, like, standing there having <laughs> having this, this mock debate, and, uh, you know, when you go that far off the rails, the only person that can pull you back is Whoopi. That's right. So Guinan comes in, and he's like, Guinan, you got to clear out of here. I'm kind of the captain now, and I like you're the fucking bartender. You gotta, you gotta know your place. Like this is not appropriate. And she's like, Hey, listen, I'm used to having the captain's ear, and I could tear you apart with my mind. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand here and kick it to you the way I see things for a little while. Like, you don't know what kind of relationship I had with Picard, but it was... Beyond friendship, beyond family. She goes and sits in the chair that Riker was, moments before, only too terrified to take for himself. Yeah, she shows that chair the opposite amount of respect, you know? Like, yeah. he, he he's, like, standing there looking at it like the chair is the fucking captain, and she just sits in it like it's... Like it's a fucking chair, yeah. Yeah. And her whole point here is, like, you are telling yourself that you're ready for this because you tried to do something that's so horrible you can't even wrap your mind around it, which was order the death of Captain Picard. But if you're being real with yourself, which you're not right now, the thing you ordered the death of was not Captain Picard, but in fact, whatever that thing is over there on that ship. Like, you separated it in your mind ahead of everybody else, and you haven't, you haven't, said goodbye to Captain Picard and you need to like if you're going to have your wits about you and you're going to like shepherd us through this next trying time you got you got to admit what's really going on you got to say your goodbyes and and that's just how the way that's just the way I see it this scene is such a bucket of ice water because she comes in and she's like yeah uh you know working in the restaurant affords me the ability to listen in on a bunch of conversations and Mm -hmm. most people expect to be dead tomorrow just thought you should know that first of all second of all like they like you they don't think it's going to be your fault but uh most people think that this situation's pretty hopeless she has another great motivational speech just like uh from the same chapter as best best of both worlds part one like yeah it's definitely like the same point in the episode that she has her scene yeah like not very motivational, a little bit terrifying, not very hopeful at all. She's a realist. One thing that I kind of wish they had done with that with this scene was uh, she goes like, That is now your chair. And I wish she'd just gone like, That is now your fish. That <laughs> is now your replicator. That is now your book of Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that have been fun? <laughs> It just goes on and on and on. Cut to the exterior of the ready room. That is now your painting of the ship. That is now your couch. (laughs) That is now your leaning wall. Well, that was always your leaning wall. But, you know, you get my point. It's heavy shit. And Whoopi is perfect in this scene. Yeah. She's so good. My, my, My love. 
This is a little head cannony, but if I'm Riker and I know that Guinan exists outside of time, she has an understanding of the universe that I can't possibly match. Mm-hmm. Like I might be thinking, what the hell is she still doing on the ship? If our <laughs> if our situation's so hopeless, that might give me hope that she's still there. Cuz yeah. she could have bugged out a long time ago. Yeah, she could have uh she could have jaked the shuttlecraft. Yeah. <laughs> Just from like, all right, <laughs> you guys great. The you guys don't scene. know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I tried giving Riker the motivational speech. I don't think it went over very well. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> oh man. I I would also watch the seasons of the show uh in the aftermath of that. Just following Guinan around from planet to planet. <laughs> Uh, well, the Enterprise comes out of warp at Wolf 359 and gave them a bit of an understatement when he said, quote, the battle did not go well. (laughs) One of the most uh, iconic shots in the entire series, I think, is this star field that is just peppered with hulking wrecks of federation starships that are like burning in their cores and totally shredded shelby starts listing them off like they're they're looking at it on the viewer and she's like given the starship names yeah i uh i was paying very close attention to the scene ben guess what starship name was not named during the scene um which one the hood Captain DeSoto had a good presence of mind to not prescribe to Admiral Hanson's suicidal plan. <laughs> yeah, Captain DeSoto's a sharp, uh, sharp cookie, you know? DeSoto and the Hood are like rising in my ranks of, of being a good ship and a good captain. Yeah, well, you know, like DeSoto being from the hood knows how to get down with some set tripping and he's like this is a terrible like your tactics are all fucked up star starfleet tactical he's like the it, most neg captain there is he's like my ship's too slow to get there in time <laughs> uh all my holodecks are fucked up yeah uh like all the excuses in the book he's dropping on hansen mm-hmm. so Riker is like all right fuck this shit no more mr nice Riker." It's time to take back the night. And uh, the first thing we're going to do is separate the saucer section. And Shelby is like, Captain Picard was briefed on that plan. The Borg will be prepared for it. Didn't you hear Locutus when we talked to him? Like the saucer section separation plan is something that Picard was briefed on. He's going to know everything about that. And he's like, I'm counting on it. (laughs) I'm going to shove it in all the way to the fourth pip. You won't see it coming. (laughs) So they're rapping on the bridge about this, right? He's like, Data and Worf, I've got a plan for you. Uh, assemble a skeleton crew for for the other bridge. Let's break. Yeah. And so we basically go to commercial off of that. Yeah. The stakes have been ratcheted up to 11. And, you know, if they if they don't succeed now, the Earth is, is, the, is the prize for the Borgs. And so they separate the saucer and... Riker really talks him through it well again. Like, you're reminded again of how great he is at doing that. Yeah. He's a master of, of saucer section separation and reintegration. Yeah. Um, 
So he gets on FaceTime and starts shit-talking Locutus. At first, like, you know, let's let's discuss your terms. And Locutus is like... Discussion is irrelevant. There are no terms. Nice try, asshole. Like, I thought we were pretty clear on that up front. He's like, fine, then, like, do your worst. It was totally... It was such a worthless scene. Could you imagine Riker going over that with the rest of the bridge staff? He's like... I know we don't need to hail them, but I kind of want to get off some good one-liners. Can you just give me, can you give me a half a minute just to uh, do some dozens with him? Yeah. And so, and so they, they start this battle. And unfortunately, there are a great many shots in this battle scene that are recycled from the battle scene in the previous episode. A lot of the shots of the ship from the exterior are kind of like cheap recycles and that's that's a little disappointing but i was hoping this would get a a fresh coat of paint during the remaster yeah so i mean while the images look great and polished right we don't we don't get any resets of the scenes at all if you're an executive producer and you're like looking at a budget and you're like these people are going to be seeing the show for the first time in three months like they're not going to know that we slotted in some shots that were the same in the last episode like I, I get the cost rationale, but it's it's a little disappointing. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. Um, but this battle s- sequence is awesome. Like the drive section is like doing its doing its thing, fighting away with the with the cube. You know, the cube starts cutting into the engineering section again. Same shit as before. Yeah. The saucer section starts shooting like fireworks all over the place, and amidst this. Worf and Data start flying a Previa and this is like one of my favorite shots in the entire two episodes is yeah. like the the two shot of Data and Worf from like a three quarter angle in the cockpit of the Previa. It shows them leaving the saucer section. It shows them flying past the rest of the ship in one continuous shot. Like like they've left the saucer section and they they fly by the drive section in this shot. And that and like the fireworks and shit are like going off all around them, and it's so great. And they and they're doing this to like penetrate the the you know the subspace field or whatever that would prevent them from beaming in otherwise. And they manage to to get through, and they pull this raid where they like go in, they kick a bunch of Borg's asses, and they nab Picard, get him onto the Previa, get back outside the field. O'Brien starts beaming him out. Previa gets totaled, which, you know, if Picard was in command, it would never have happened. Like, that definitely would have been a bunk bed. But (laughs) Riker was like, this is the captain. We got to sacrifice a Previa for this one. He's worth it. (laughs) He is worth a Previa. You are totally right about that three-quarter two-shot because you don't get a sense of scale when they do exterior shots in the show during action scenes. And to be in a previa for an action scene that massive was yeah. great. It was so don't cool. Get that. The disparity between them, like it, you just feel so small in that previa. It almost totally washes away all of my criticism of recycling shots from yeah. the, the past episode. I am the cutest of all. Yeah, O'Brien gets him just before the Previa blows up. Classic O'Brien. Do you think he do you think he like waits a little bit before he swipes up on the on the panel? 
He's like, I think he's I, a slow swiper. I want this to be a little bit suspenseful. I, I want people to really value me as a transporter chief. Yeah. So they beam Lacutus directly to the six bay, and he looks a little incongruent. Your yeah. jars of barbicides all around. You've got your your uh, implanted Picard lying prone. Yeah, and it's a bed. weird. It's a weird like one-off bio bed. Like I don't think we ever see this bio bed again. You're gonna uh, want to throw away that bio bed after this. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Beverly like leans over him, and his laser is like playing in the in the hairs on the front of her wig. Riker's like, can we wake him up? And she's like, well, I'd love the chance to to do some doctoring on him. And Riker's like, no time for doctoring, wake him up. And <laughs> Lacutus does like an Undertaker style rise, like bending only at the waist when he wakes up. Yeah, really good. And they're like pretty freaked out initially, but he's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm gonna continue to like run the Borg operation to assimilate your species. Uh, so. he's, he's almost like, you know, now that I'm here, this is actually better for me because my whole job was to be a mouthpiece to you guys. Yeah. Uh, it's now, probably more convenient for me to just be here anyway. So yeah. thanks. FaceTime is not like a hundred percent reliable, you know, sometimes <laughs> sure. you don't get a good LTE signal and you're like, ah, I just wish the guy was right here right now. Yeah. Why don't we do this in person? So, they quickly despair of the doctor being able to do anything because he's got these implants and there's like, you know, genetic material that is interacting on a molecular something, something with the implants. So Data's like, hey, like maybe Six Bay isn't the right place for this this project to happen. Maybe we should take him to the lab that I built Law in. Picard is in the like, you know, the like four poster standing room only joint and uh they take off the batman abs they reduce yeah. him to basically like a cod piece and the log arm <laughs> yeah and like a couple of like odds and ends st- stickumed to his chest but yeah data like wires himself into the borg's network and all you need is a cat six line and you're in yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's totally like a scene in Hackers. Yeah. <laughs> They're like flying through 3D, 3D space. The Borg network only have a six-digit password. This should be pretty easy. <laughs> One, two, three, <laughs> four, five, six. <laughs> the scene is basically they they get desperate. The the Borg cube is is about to enter Earth airspace and. Well, the reason that this is even happening, right, is like, well, Riker knows that because the Borg kidnapped Picard, they have access to all of Picard's knowledge. Mm-hmm. Riker Riker constructs this entire plan around the premise that maybe it works both ways. If they can get Picard back, maybe uh, they have access to all of the Borg knowledge, which would then uh, give them some sort of strategy to defeat him. Yeah, And so that's why Data's wired in. Data's like, I got to get into this network and figure out if there's a way that I can... Like disarm your weapon systems? Yeah, and so th- like the last like climactic battle scene is literally like the Enterprise nose-to-nose with this Borg cube at Earth. And the Enterprise is literally the last like pebble that the Earth has to throw at this Borg cube. And Data's like going through different command sequences like, nope, the, the like disarm all your weapons is encrypted like this thing's encrypted that thing's encrypted 
and it gets to a point where Riker has given the order for the Enterprise to just like kamikaze into the Borg cube. Do you think Wes regrets missing that Starfleet exam at that exact moment? Because <laughs> Riker gives Wes the order, like, ramming speed. Yeah, Wes turns around and is like, are you fucking high? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I wish I was anywhere but here. Yeah. Um, Locutus is breaking down and Picard is starting to take back over. And he's explaining to Data that... Uh, Data needs to put in the command to sleep. So Data discovers that he can put the Borg on regen mode with a uh, with an unencrypted circuit, and he does it, and the cube, like, shuts down, just, like, turns all the way off, and it's just floating there inert right in front of the Enterprise. and Its power button is doing that Apple-like glow on and off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so they're like, let's go check it out. And so they, like, a few of them beam over, and uh, they're like, yeah, like, uh, everybody's asleep, but uh, it's not looking not looking good over here. Like, they're, they're definitely on a self-destruct-type situation. They beam them back, get the Enterprise off to a, a safe distance. Borg cube blows up, and... Uh, Lacutus's link to the collective is dead, and so he gets like a personal banger. Yeah, totally. So the the link is severed. Picard is rocked. He's he's back to. He's got a little bit of a that that human twinkle in his eye that was gone for yeah. the past couple episodes. Like he he's still ashen and covered in implants, but. We talk about this all the time. Patrick Stewart, in a very subtle way. Totally telegraphs that that he's back. Yeah, it's it's a really masterful piece of subtle acting. Yeah, that uh, you know, like subtlety is not always achieved on this show, and Patrick Stewart is very reliable in being able to achieve it, despite that. And uh, yeah, like he compliments the unorthodox strategy that. Riker used and they like schlep him off to six bay to start pulling all the hardware out of him. You got to respect the pip. Mm-hmm. So the final scene we get is, is Picard post-surgery back in his ready room. Yeah. And he's got some intense like space bandages on his face. Yeah. Riker's in there, in there in the ready room with him and Shelby comes in and, and she says like captain and they're both like, yep. <laughs> Got to release some of that tension, right, Ben? Yeah, fun. And she's like, she's brimming with optimism. She's like, we're going to have the, sl- the fleet back up in 12 months. Like, we're we're good to go. Like That, that I, fucking Hanson guy's dead, who is just a major hurdle yeah. in everything Starfleet did. He wouldn't stop talking about Sharia law at, at our <laughs> dinner table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's out of the way. Like a lot of people who begin as enemies and end up as friends shelby and Riker are pals now because they went through some shit together yeah Riker's still got that fourth pip on and i guess at some point there must be some like demotion yeah ceremony where like that field commission was temporary he's got to throw that fourth pip off of anybody canyon i would love to see that scene too i know that would have taken like an extra 
minute and a half to have like a really interesting little arc with that yeah. in, in this episode. He flushes the pip like a goldfish. <laughs> yeah. What happens to that pip? I don't know. He like, what if he like flicked it off the end of his thumb towards Shelby and he's like, hey, I think you need this more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> this scene begins a little up and then ends real dark. Yeah, it's a very uneasy end. They take care of some administration. And it feels like a little bit of a callback to conspiracy. Like, Picard's left alone in the ready room, and he stares out the window. And at this moment, you're made to feel that the gravity of what's happened is now resting upon him. Yeah, and... Um... This, this show telegraphs emotional weight uh, through the use of a single brass instrument in the score. They love to do this. It, it sort of cuts to exterior of the ship as Picard looks out the one window in the ready room. And I think it is meant to match the first shot of him in season one, episode one. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not lit quite the same way, but it's an intense one shot. And, uh, it you know, it pulls back a little bit and it just, it really, like, highlights the bleakness of what they have all been through together he does that thing where he lifts his cup to his face and then and then a thought interrupts it and he sets it down to go take this long look this mm-hmm. this million light year stare out of the back of, of his ready room like are we made to think that he's still picking something up i kind of felt that way yeah there's definitely a an implication he just kept talking in one long incredibly unbroken sentence moving from topic to topic so that no one had the chance to interrupt it was really quite hypnotic why wouldn't he just retire like he's back to work immediately he has been a prisoner of war for i don't know how long it's also just weird to see him back at work yeah take some time <laughs> Go to Ryza. Yeah. Get a Horgon. Did you like this episode, Ben? I really did. This is like the writers really like fully realizing some of the potential of this show. I don't think it's like Trek at its very, very best, but it's about as good as it gets. By saying that, are you saying that uh, part two is not as good as part one? Because that it would be my contention. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah? I think that maybe, like, story-wise, part one is a little tighter, but there's so much about part two that's really iconic for me. Yeah. That I can't quite knock it down below part one. That antimatter spread and the Previa cruising through it is pretty iconic. Yeah, the shot where the, the sequence where Picard is getting fully Borgified. Guinan and Riker. Yeah. So much good about it. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, Adam, I believe I hear something coming in over subspace. Should we check it out? Let's do it. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Uh, Our first Priority One message is from Sean of Many Drinks, and it is for loyal viewers. 
the message goes like this. I only have 350 characters, which is super lame. I really just want a Kevin reference and voice in an ep. Also, many a shout out to my cat, Chairman Meow. I'm also writing this on an iPad, which apparently means I can't review what I've typed. So more space buttholes and a Kevin voice. This is more a request than a message, but oh shit, I'm running out. And there's no period. It just sort of peters out to the end. You know, uh, you know someone who doesn't have the problem of character limits, Ben? Who, who's that, Adam? I've never run into limitations of any kind. <laughs> oh yeah, why is that, uh, Kevin? Because uh, many months ago I took all character limits and destroyed them. <laughs> oh, you know. Oh no. Oh, that's uh, that's horrible. Does that does that uh, does that does your conscience uh, allow you any peace after this? After this horrible thing you've done? There's no punishment to fit my crime <laughs> of destroying all character limits. <laughs> I bet your Twitter is really fucked up now. <laughs> Shout out to Chairman Meow. <laughs> I've, I've decorated my entire Malibu home with stuffed catch. Oh, God. I don't want to think about that, Kevin. Um, I'm not judging you. I obviously... Um, uh, not in a position to judge the morality of anything you do. I've got a spot on my mantle that would be perfect for Chairman Meow. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, our next priority one message comes from Obelisk 3 Actual, and it is for Space Mercenary Mortimer Coates. <laughs> the message is uh, immediate actionable intel. Subject Miramar raided a blood bank. Strongly suspect development of a literal plasma cannon. May want to keep gloves and wet wipes handy. OTA out. I feel like this is maybe the fourth or fifth time that we have... That we don't know what's going on. (laughs) We may have triggered a proxy war somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. There's a lot of of strife in Southeast Asia after (laughs) some of these... I've gone out. Tell you one thing, I'm always keeping wet wipes handy. Oh yeah, are you? A, you're you're pro wipe. Oh yeah. Oh no question. Oh, I don't I don't uh, I don't have any use for them. <laughs> well, good for you, Ben. That puts me on the other side of the issue from Obelisk Three Actual. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Yeah, that could be really bad for me. Yeah, I think you want to be on the right side of Obelisk Three Actual. <laughs> Well, I have uh, I have a couple of bucks from Obelisk 3 Actual now, so who's the joke really on? Yeah, it's very true. Uh, if you would like to be more like Obelisk 3 Actual, you can head on over to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron to type in your very own 350-character message that we will then turn into... 10,000 characters in the use of <laughs> our many impressions yeah. and, and a bunch of bullshitting. So yeah. I think you're getting more than you bargain for with us. Yeah. I think the character limit thing might be a little different for a commercial message. I forget. But it's uh, 100 bucks for a personal message, 200 for a commercial message, and every single Priority One message helps keep the light on around here. And uh, we really appreciate it. MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Hey, Ben. Uh, what's that, Adam? You find yourself a drunk Shimoda this episode. Drunk Shimoda! I did. I gotta give it to Wesley. Uh, <laughs> that, 
that look that he gives Riker when Riker orders the ship to do a warp kamikaze into the Borg cube is <laughs> just I got a, a an actual LOL out of that. Like <laughs> Wes, like you know what the stakes are here. Yes, this is the last you know, this is our last ditch attempt. This is what you do. I know it's scary, but like don't look at the fucking guy that had to make that call and be like, What is wrong with you? <laughs> do you think it would have worked? Like, does the Borg ship get destroyed in that impact? Well, I think because one thing that what we... I was thinking at that moment was, if you're not sure it's going to work, why do it? Maybe, but there are plenty of other nebulae to to ditch out into. But they're you, not as you watch the Federation burn. Yeah, well, maybe of a point, but I think that I think they gotta try it. You don't think a ship didn't try that at Wolf Three Five Nine? I think so. No, I don't think they did. That is insane to me. Someone had to have done that out of forty starships. I think that I think that they blew their opportunity by being too conventional in their thinking. And I think that that's a moment where Riker is showing yeah. them like the way they should have been thinking. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, if if all of the ships that that they lost at Wolf Three Five Nine had just kamikaze that board cube, there's no way it would have gotten through. I mean, it's just physics. Yeah. What did we found out that it, it could take up to 70% damage and still be functional or something like that? Right. I think they could have taken that much out, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. That just leaves the hood. The hood's the flagship now. Look at me, sure. Look at me, sure. <laughs> I am the flagship now. <laughs> <laughs> did you have a drunk remote, Adam? I did, but I'm going outside of the show for it. Whoa. Um, I think I am going to give it to Frakes, who I think as we discussed a little bit in part one, these two episodes are all about Riker. This is the version of the show that makes him captain. This is what we could have gotten. Mm -hmm. This is what we could have gotten before now, and this is what we could have gotten after now. And to his credit, to his character's credit, and to everyone else, he can carry it. Yeah. Like, he was a great leader uh, in the time that he was made captain. Uh, he was inspiring and funny and good and thoughtful. He was all of those things. And what he got was a little test drive of what it would be like if he were the captain. And as a viewer, I think what we got was a test drive of what the show could have been. Not to say that, you know, we aren't happy Picard is back and that we get to keep him for a while. There's, there's a lot of great adventures to have with Picard from here on out. But I think if you're John Frakes, no one's having more fun than you for these two episodes because you get to sit in the big chair, you get the fourth pip, you get to be the leader for two whole episodes. I don't think he ever comes this close again. Yep. And and he was great. He carried the burden extremely well. Word. Damok, Angelad, and Tanaga. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. 
And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What do we have coming up on the next episode, Ben? The next episode is Season 4, Episode 2, Family. When the Enterprise undergoes repairs on Earth, crew members reunite with families, and Picard comes face-to-face with his jealous brother. Do you remember this episode, Adam? I do remember this episode, Ben. 11-year-old me was so crestfallen like <laughs> you go through basically the most intense four months of your life and i don't think that's a joke or an exaggeration like uh i had a very very peaceful childhood 
<laughs> this was the most stress I'd ever been under for those months. Mm-hmm. You get through Best of Both Worlds Part 2, and you get a fucking soap opera afterwards? <laughs> I was so pissed at the end of this episode. I thought yeah. we were going to get action sci-fi from here on out. Like, this show is so great at action sci-fi. Finally, we get shoot 'em ups and action. I, I hated this episode when it came out, Ben. Hated it. Well, Adam, uh, we do, technically speaking, each have a veto that we can invoke every season. Um, would you would you want to use your veto on this episode? I'm thinking a lot about it, Ben. I got to tell you, because Fucking... I think that I think that this at this juncture last season, this is I think when you used your veto. I think it was either episode one or no. Episode I came two of right out of three. the gate with it on episode one. And oh, I, okay. I have no regrets about that. You don't? This, this episode's even more melodramatic than that one. <laughs> God, I hate this episode. But some of the most hated episodes are, uh, are some of the funniest that we do. Yeah. I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. Wait, wait, wait. I, wait. I don't like this episode. Oh, Adam, that's a bad call. Cause, Why? Because there's some turkeys in season four. It. I mean, like, I know that I know you have like a personal beef with this episode, but let me just remind you that walk me off this ledge. There's a Q episode. There's a Waxana episode in this in this season. There is uh, that episode where Doctor Crusher is going crazier and crazier on the ship, and and uh, you know, every nobody remembers any of the other crew members. I like that one. Well. I don't want to see Picard and his brother cry in a vineyard. There's the episode where Data has a has a girlfriend. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> I like all of those episodes more than this one. Really? I really do. I don't like this episode, man. What about the episode when Counselor Troy uh, has to quit being counselor because she can't empathize with anybody anymore? You're being pretty compelling and reasonable about the idea of just backpocketing this veto this is an important character moment for for captain picard and if you veto i have to burn a veto to to, to overcome why don't your you veto. just let it go we don't have to watch this one I, I, th- I feel like i've said my piece adam what are you gonna do what are you going to do i'm gonna put it back in my pocket oh <laughs> oh yeah that's excellent that's excellent news. I'm not saying you'll be able to lawyer Picard me forever on this. <laughs> I, do, I truly don't believe I have seen this episode since the first time I saw it, because I skip it every time I see it on reruns. It, it left such a foul taste in my mouth. Well, maybe you'll find that it's better than you remember, Adam. Maybe so. I guess we got to watch it. Well, our viewers do a wonderful thing in droves and what they do is they go to maximumfund.org slash donate and they contribute to support our show and the other shows on the maximumfund.org network of which we are a part uh and uh, it really helps out big time and uh we want to thank everybody that's done it and encourage anybody who has the means to do it to follow suit contributors to the show uh will eventually get access to special episodes that we end up doing mm-hmm. uh, for the network, which I, I think is going to be super fun. Yeah, I think we're both looking forward to that. 
the other way you can support the show is by going to iTunes and leaving a nice review or just by telling your friends, uh, going on your various Star Trek online communities and telling your friends there. Uh, anywhere anywhere you have a social media account or whatever and you can share an episode, it really helps us spread the word and in so doing, legitimizing us to uh, the world, which uh, helps us make this show happen. Might make a comic book happen. Yeah, well, that'd be cool. Uh, we also have a t-shirt for sale at this point. Uh, just the one t-shirt at the moment, but we're still developing more. West Hot American Summer is ready for you. Yeah, maxfunstore.com. That's right. Um, we should thank Dark Materia for our theme music and Adam Ragusia, the goose, for our Priority One message music. And we should thank our listeners for viewing and our viewers for listening. Yeah, if you want to chat us up, you can find us all the time on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, the, uh, the holy trinity of time-wasting. <laughs> yeah, use the hashtag GreatestGen on Twitter. That's probably the best way, but uh, we get in there on Facebook and, and Reddit as well. And with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. And back from the brink, a family-oriented episode of The Greatest Generation. I want to be drinking a ton of wine the next episode. <laughs> That's what I want to do. Yeah? Chateau yeah. Picard or whatever? Yeah. Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.